Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. keeping you company during the quarantine. I know it can get a bit lonely. Definitely, right? Hopefully by the time, uh, you know, we're, we're done with this series, with this series, the quarantine will be over uh, and we will be allowed outside again. <laughs> yeah, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, there is no quarantine anymore. Exactly. That would be ideal. Exactly. But, but uh, today we're going to be talking about this, this really big question. And the question is, what is time? Yeah, and I'm, we're going to try to define what it is, to understand what it is, and possibly, you know, explain how this 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 mysterious thing I want to say uh, right now really influences our our life in a way that it's not even imaginable. Sometimes we don't think about that most of the time. We think about time only when we look at our watch. And when we're late. Right, I was, I, <laughs> yes, I was going to say time seems to be one of those concepts that sneaks up on you where at first it seems maybe too abstract and kind of only relevant to itself. But then as you really start to think about it, you realize, oh, my God, everything connects to time. Right. It has this really foundational role in our experience of the world and and maybe even the world itself i don't know i mean this is a question to explore but i think you're right if we're trying to figure out what do most people think of when they hear time a good place to start is clocks right yeah. your watch yes and that is though i think that one of the first things that we need to say that we need to understand that that is not time that at best is the measurement of a form of this thing that we call time Hmm. Uh, because, and not to get immediately into this big thing, but uh, maybe we have more than a form of time. There's more than a kind of thing that we call time, right? I'm wondering if it is, for example, there's this idea that time is linear, right? There's this straight line that goes around, and this is why time passes by, right? Now it's, you know... Uh, after what it was a second ago and tomorrow is going to be after this and it keeps on going this way and we're able to measure this through clocks calendars and other stuff that we have right yeah so it seems like time itself in some way exists apart from our measurement of it in a sense right i don't know how absolute we want to go with that but i think the idea is Okay, we recognize that calendars and clocks measure this thing. And then if we ask someone to maybe dig a little deeper and inquire about the thing, uh, they might then go to this timeline thing that you're talking of. Like, okay, so there's now, and that's the present, and then there's the past, and like that already happened, and then there's the future that didn't happen yet, and we're on this one-way kind of journey down this line. And that concept itself is something that's not 
definite, right? Absolutely. And I wonder what uh, we think about this idea that, um, first of all, that you said that time seems to be separated from us, right? That was one the question you asked, that, well, the thing that you stated. And I'm wondering, what does that mean really, right? Mm-hmm. Does it mean that there's this absolute thing that we call time and then we measure it? Like, you know, um, like let's say, you know, there is this table and then there is the measurement of the table that I can take, right? And now I can say that the table is such, such and such inches by such and such inches. And of course, these two things are, just, are two different things. Uh, the measurement, which we're talking about for time, will be again calendars, clocks, and things like that. And the table will be this time thing that is separate from the measurement in itself. Yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy because maybe one of uh, the important questions to to deal with right now is is time quote unquote real? Right, like people will have this this back and forth uh, in those weird moments when they're just kind of like laying in bed thinking about stuff or having those weird conversations with their friends late at night and. I think the first thing we should establish is that what they really mean to say is that they're wondering if time is something that really exists out there in the world, like independent of our experience of it, or if time is just something that happens in our mental faculties, in our experience. If it is just a psychological concept, so to speak, right? Or if it is a physical concept, that's the, the these are the two sometimes competing uh, theories uh, is is one of those things that of course it's it's interesting right and uh, just to clarify we're not the first one uh, the first people so to speak uh, to question this issue by first people of course I don't mean me and you Anthony but I yeah. mean uh, us moderns almost right mm-hmm. us people living in this age this analysis starts way back in, in time and, uh, and the first thinker that pops out in my head is St. Augustine, right? Same. St. Augustine of Ippo and he's the one that says things like, hey uh, at the end of the day, what is time? And he has this, yeah. this, uh, this phrase, this way of saying like time, the more I think about it if I don't think <laughs> about it, I know what it is the more I try yeah. to figure out what it is the more he escapes me, right? It's, it's one of those things that, of course, if you're analyzing at a, at a certain level, it's easy. And then when you go de- deep, Augustine says, that's where the problem starts. But I digress. Going back to the, to the issue of being physical or psychological. Well, Augustine would say that it's absolutely physical. I'm sorry, absolutely psychological, rather. The time in reality does not exist. Time is, is not a real thing that exists in the world but is rather at this he calls it a distension of the soul mm. so it is something that has to do with our specific way of being in the world our specific way of understanding the world and the universe but that's not in there we kind of it, add time to the universe and you know it's saying this mm to solve a specific issue. We don't need to get into this. But he would say, for example, that there is no such thing as divine time. God is not in time and is not subjected to the same bro- rules. There's only human time. Mm-hmm. And he, he gets 
into these issues in an interesting way because of course he's he's doing it from like a theological perspective so he, he asked this question that's like you know what did god do before he created the world yeah and this is a dilemma even if you don't realize it at first because it's like wait because if if god created time then there's no such thing as before god's creation yeah so the the question itself already presupposes something that's incorrect but then he, he gets into all these interesting areas like okay is eternity in god and eternity itself is that the absence of time or is that unlimited time um similarly it's like the non-eternal is in god and it's like okay is that temporal or not temporal right exactly and there's all these issues there and this concept of eternity means seems to be very very complex right and i think that out of out of the religious aspect right there is this question that you know that's related to augustine one that, which i think actually i think is the same one and it's one that we are um, the thinkers are, are dealing with today and this 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 thing called ancestral past right this idea of of things that happen in a time where there were no human beings, right? It's the same concept. Mm. The one goes from the divine, right? And this other one is more grounded, uh, meaning more grounded in, in our everyday life. It's a, it's a non-religious way of seeing this issue, right? Uh, and I think that what Augustine is dealing with and what these guys are dealing with is this idea that is this concept of time being independent from human being. And Augustine will say, there's no such thing, right? And I'm wondering what, what we think, right? Do we think that is hmm. this really something, is there something independent from human beings that we can call time? Was there a time before us, for example? I mean, it's a good question. I'm thinking there's reasons to believe that there is. That doesn't mean that there is. It just means that there's good arguments to make on both sides. Mm -hmm. And I think the first reaction someone might have is to say, yeah, um, that is, of course, they're being an extreme skeptic, is to say, yeah, it seems like something like duration exists apart from us, right? So if we, if we think about time not as clocks, but instead as some happenings in, in a given duration, then sure, that seems to exist. Why do I believe that? Well, because we have pieces of the past, so to speak, right? We have fossils. Of course. We have memories we have anything that indicates something that happened but is no longer happening right so the past is one of those things where as augustine will say mm -hmm. it existed but it no longer exists right mm -hmm. but i'm wondering though if this so this is what you mentioned this idea that there are false fossils and stuff like that right this is the indication of some sort of ancestral past right to use the, the, the modern terminology, so to speak. Uh, the problem is, though, that we are able to reconstruct this past still thanks to this ability that we have to put things in time, right? True. So at yeah. the end of the day, I wonder if this ancestral past is really disconnected from human time or if it's just a mode of human time right we put things in time we put things in a sort of perspective and i wonder if uh, we can if it is possible to 
even to conceive of an original time, of our original past in the case which we're talking about right now. Is it possible mm. to talk about something that is completely, completely separate and disconnected? Or if we should think instead, if we should talk about more of a, um, I can say, of a conception of time that's different than than the one that we have, so to speak, to the one that we are kind of, of, of attacking using common sense, right? Because sometimes, mm. and I think that it's true, especially concepts like time. Sometimes things are counterintuitive, so to speak, right? We think that yeah. those things are back there, so that means it's the past. That means that even if we there were no human beings back then, well, that means that time existed even before. But if anything, the only thing that we know is that objects existed before human beings, not time. Mm, okay. Sure, and I think some people would make the jump then to say, well, so if objects existed and some sense this means there had to be time right because objects are spatio-temporal and when they make that claim they're adopting uh the mainstream we would call it like scientific realist view of nature where yes. they think things like space and time uh, are features inherent in the universe that were there um but to return to this kind of common sense uh initial reaction to time even if we get rid of the idea of fossils and like distant ancestral stuff, someone might be inclined to say, okay, say for example, I have a basil plant in my kitchen. So at first, it's just a pile of dirt sitting on my windowsill. And then eventually something pops up from the dirt. And then eventually I have this really big plant that has all these leaves and smells really vivid. And so someone might, in defending the like externalist view of time, let's call it, might say, hey, something like time must exist outside of humans because there was a change that happened in the object. And it seems like time and change go hand in hand in some sense. In other words, if there was no such thing as something like duration, then there couldn't be that change in the object. But, and again, I, I think that the pushback on this could be, uh, well, why are you making the connection? Show me the connection between change and time, right? Because you're already presupposing that change comes with time. But it's a presupposition, isn't it? I wonder if, I mean... Again, can you point exactly? Uh, you know, I'm gonna be Hume here, right? Uh, I was, I was just gonna say. Can you yeah. please point exactly at where the connection between the two things is? This necessary connection that you see. Why isn't that instead of thinking of time, for example, can I think that uh, the the face full of dirt and then the the seedling that comes out and then the plant? Can we talk? Can we think about this? this images so to speak just as something like an asynchronous present so there is no change mm. in time right these are moment they're photograms if you want uh, it's possible to think that way yeah definitely no I, I think that so that's definitely a reasonable question to ask and a reasonable th thing to assume could happen um, but I think this this idea of 
simultaneity and change going together mm-hmm. would on it on the surface seem to be contradictory to most people because they're like wait doesn't simultaneity mean happening together and doesn't change mean different things happening after one another so how could those things possibly be and i think the way we should go about it is to emphasize that maybe sometimes we act how do you say like anthropocentrically about a lot of phenomena And so we assume that just because we experience something in a certain way, this means that that's how it quote unquote is apart from us. And even making that jump to saying that there is something a part of us is itself a result of this anthropocentrism perhaps. Um, So yeah, we have to start asking fundamentally about the relationship between, to to go back to our previous episode, perception and reality. Absolutely, but I think that if what you say is true, we're going in the direction of Augustine, right? We're going in the direction of saying, well, maybe this is a characteristic, a psychological characteristic, a characteristic of the soul or whatever it is. Maybe it is, and we're jumping in in time, again, history of philosophy here, right? Maybe it is our privileged way of accessing the world, right? This is just our way. Maybe we share this with our animals, maybe we don't, but that's a different story, right? Uh, the point being here, maybe it is something that has to do with our specific uh, Lebensform, right? Uh, sure. Our specific way of being, of existing, our way of life, right? Uh, life form, whatever we want to call it. It could be. And even examining... Because it's one thing to be like, okay, what would it be outside from that form of experience, which we can get into. But it's, it's even another issue to say, wait, what is the form of it? Like, what does that mean? So if you take something like the present, Augustine complicates this, right? He says, oh, like, is the, is the present hundred years a long time? And then he's like, well, that's actually not one thing. And he says, okay, well, what about this year? Well, actually, a year is a series of moments that don't all happen at the same time. Okay, well, what about this week? No. What about even the day? And he says, no, there's hours and minutes. And you keep cutting it. Yeah. And you get to the point where you're like, wait, what is the present moment? Because he says, if you try to get to the, the smallest point where you can't extend it anymore, that thing would seem to be the present. But if it is really instantaneous and only the present and not something that that connects to a a past or a future, then it would have to not be extended in time at all. So it's like the the true present moment would almost have to be atemporal, and yet it is the the fundamental ground of time or something like that, right? Absolutely, and Augustine is like destroying this this concept of time for us. He says clearly, again, the past doesn't exist, obviously, right? There's no such thing as past. Those things are gone. The future doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And the present is at least problematic because of what you just said, right? And specifically, he eventually argues that it's impossible to to pinpoint. There's no such thing as present either, Uh, at least intended the way we intend it usually. And I I find it fascinating how uh, his intuition is very, very, how can we say... uh, similar to to the one that we have from from you know some philosophy of mind for example this idea that mm. 
because of perception, we always live so much, so many milliseconds in the past, right? So to speak, like there's no real present moment. And mm -hmm. but again, going back to Augustine specifically, this idea that the present's atemporal, that seems to make the concept of time paradoxical. And therefore, absolutely, probably not exactly. Uh, you know, one we sh we should we should believe in, right? Things that are paradoxical usually they are uh, they are somehow um, what can we say hiding some some issues, right? Instead of hiding contradictions there, right? Yeah, and and the thing about paradoxes, like the reason why they're paradoxes, is is not because oh they're complicated so they can exist. It's like no, they're complicated but they do exist, and that's why it's hard to grapple with. And when I think about this, I'm I'm reminded of when. You gave that one presentation uh, like last semester or two semesters ago about the extended self. Yeah. And you talk about how when we experience anything, even like this pencil in front of me or this conversation, I, like I'm, my experience of it is not even a present, right? It's like time has to stretch in order for the experience to happen. Exactly. So there never is this one definitive thing. And that's like a modern way of, of maybe exemplifying Augustine's point here. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, but then we're in trouble, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> when, we, when it comes with when it comes to time, we're in trouble. Uh, can it be something else? Can it be something that is not this this tension of the soul? Because again, the only thing that Augustine is saying is, well, there's all, if if I'm right, and not even the present can be pinpointed at, maybe this thing is simply. Today we would say a social construction, or right. or a construction that it's that comes from from our mind, right? We are superimposing this concept to the universe, but it's really not there because every time we try to dig to find it, we don't find it. Mm -hmm. And this is perfect because it implies that we exist within a system. And when I say that, I don't mean merely that we exist within the world. It's like we exist within a system in a system because we only have a certain mode of accessing the world. And so when we talk about modes of access, of course, we have to talk about Kant. Mm -hmm. And Kant has this view of time that I think many people wouldn't start with as their first position. And even upon hearing it, they might be like, uh, I don't know, that sounds a little weird. But after you hear his arguments, you're like, oh, Okay, maybe this is airtight. And so Kant's whole point is that time is not, first of all, it's not uh, an empirical thing, right? It's not like a thing that your senses perceive out in the world. But he says, nor is it an empirical concept. So it's not a thing, it's not a particular, right? Nor is it a universal that's either derived from or the base for particulars. Instead, he says, we have to stop thinking of space, uh, time rather, and space, uh, as content of our experience, and instead think about it as the form of our experience. In other words, it's not a thing that we experience, but it's like a, a feature of the mode of experience itself. It's the way and we experience, so to speak. Exactly, and, and he has this fancy term. He says that time is an a priori form of experience, meaning that whatever time is, it happens before sensory experience and shapes sensory experience. And the way I always try to explain this 
some people uh, like this analogy, some people don't, I think it's good as a starting point, is to imagine someone uh, that was born with like green goggles kind of riveted to their face. Like what would that person's experience be like? Everything would be green. That isn't, that doesn't mean though that the things out there in the world, so to speak, are actually green. It just means that the person only has greenness as a mode of access. That's us. But our mode of access, our lens, it's not greenness, it's time. Absolutely. And it's interesting because Kant there um, tries to, to go in the middle of two conceptions of time that were both problematic, right? He is responding to Hume. The one is saying, hey, time doesn't exist because I cannot find it anywhere in the world, right? Hume is this empiricist that will say, hey, if it's not, if I cannot perceive it with my senses, it's not mm -hmm. there. And Kant says, well, the reason why you're not perceiving it is because it's not in the things, it's not in the world, but it's rather this lens. But he's also responding to Leibniz, right? That he, Leibniz is the guy that kind of had, the, I want to say, the most intuitive understanding of time and space mm. as well. He thinks that time was this container, so to speak, inside of which everything was happening, right? Separately from us, this universal that you were saying that Kant doesn't believe in, right? Like where we are independent, uh, this, this universal concept, so to speak, that has nothing to do with, with the experience itself. And Kant says, no, no, that's not true either. It cannot be mm -hmm. because space and time cannot be thought as empty, right? They always have content. Yes. And and this is, I think, it's somewhat uh, almost the the logical uh, extension of what Augustine is saying, right? Augustine mm. is kind of the one posing the problem, not that Kant takes it from him, absolutely not. But I'm saying he's the one that kind of puts the framework, and then Hume will come and will say, "Hey, yes, this is a problem." Then Kant will say, "Yeah, maybe we can solve it this way. Maybe we can solve it saying that this is our specific mode of." perception should we say should we call it our specific mode of accessing rather the, the yeah. world and i wonder though is that satisfying i mean he gives some good arguments right because he says we can imagine a space devoid of objects same thing right but he says you can't imagine an object devoid of space and you would just apply the same thing to time yeah. like you can't imagine non-temporalness because your thoughts are actually uh like this the way that your inner representations are structured so you have a thought mm -hmm. and then you have another thought that comes after that thought and then another and etc cetera, etc cetera. and so even to argue against temporality you have to contradict yourself because like that thought happens in your stream of consciousness right absolutely which is that like the the reason why we keep saying and trying to avoid the word time while we're doing this, right? Mm. So if we jump in time, and this, because this seems to be really, if this concept seems to be really rooted in our way of being, so this seems to go in his direction, definitely. Uh, and like I always feel when, when we talk about content, every time I deal with the stuff that he writes or, or says, I always get the impression that, okay, so let's concede him, let's concede that he's right, at the point, there's no problem anymore. <laughs> the mm -hmm, problem is mm -hmm. solved, right? This all thing, does time exist, does time doesn't, exi doesn't exist, it's like, who cares, right? It's The only thing that, that counts is the fact that we cannot get out of it, so to speak. 
it is us. We are this way. And which I think is what he wants to do also. And ask you a question like, is this the real way in which things are? Is time a real thing outside of us? Mm-hmm. It's a pointless question because you cannot get an answer. Because again, you have those goggles wearing. You're wearing those those lenses, and you cannot take them. You cannot take them out. So it's yeah, pointless it, even to ask that question. It reminds me of uh, something we were talking about when we had the God conversation, where it was like, in in order for a system to be, there needs to be something outside of the system. Similarly, in order to gain full knowledge of the system there has to be a, a, a vantage point beyond the system. Yeah. But the point is, we can't, we can't do that, right? I think it was Diltai who said, behind life, life cannot go. Yes. Like, you can't step outside of our modes in order to understand the structure of the modes. Absolutely, and it's, uh, again, this thing is recurring. Wittgenstein will say the same thing. In order to understand the laws of logic, we should be outside of logic, which is impossible. Mm-hmm. So there is mm-hmm. this whole thing that it seems that the only way in which you can understand things if you are outside of the system where these things are right otherwise you are just you're unable to perceive those things right it seems to be absolutely and it's interesting i believe it's interesting um and if again if that's the case the all question can we think of time in its original form as a ancestral thing that doesn't can't will say no we can't <laughs> Yeah, so you have these options like, okay, space, uh, space sorry, I keep, oh, it's hard because I always associate time and space, yeah, right, together, which yeah. Yeah. we'll talk about that in the future at some point. Yeah. But you you have this idea of time as a, a container where all things reside, and that's like the absolutist notion, right? And then you have the idea as time merely as relations yes. of things, the more relational uh, or, or perhaps relative idea of time. But then you have this this third idea, which is not about objects in a container or a relationship amongst objects in a container, but about the way we interact with the objects in the container. Absolutely. And I don't know. Absolutely, absolutely. No, and I and I'm wondering if so. It seems that in any case, if it is a distension of the soul. If it is the a priori form of experience, or even if it is this this general container, it seems that it is unescapable, so to speak, this mm. concept of time. However you want to think of it as an absolute, a relative term, or whatever it is. So maybe uh, the more interesting thing to kind of try to figure out is not so much if this thing exists, but rather... How does he work? And how does That's that a good question. how does that influences us, right? Let's assume again, and these questions will work if time is something that everyone experiences, right? If it's an absolute, if it is relative to uh, to humans, even if it's relative just to us living in the Western civilization, whatever it is. Right? No matter mm-hmm. who you are, uh, that question seems to be relevant. How does that work? How does that influence our life? How does that actually, uh, uh, how can we say, how is that relevant, almost? Yeah, I mean, there's there's the question of the fundamentals, right, of, of like the structural facts. There's the question of what caused those structural facts to exist and indeed exist in that specific way. And then there's the question of just, well, what is it like? 
to experience time. Like, how can we describe the, to go back to another phrase, the qualitative experience of time? Because this is something that a lot of people become concerned with. Because it's like, okay, maybe we should stop talking about these questions about, is it, is it exist outside of us? Or we should just focus on like, what, what is it like, right? What do I get from attempting to describe my first person experience of givens? And so we go into this whole like phenomenological approach. Mm -hmm. um, and without getting into too many specifics there uh, about what phenomenology even is, I, maybe I could just talk a little bit about Husserl has this work, the phenomenology of internal con uh, time consciousness or inner time consciousness, and he actually starts it off by saying that Augustine has been like the only legitimate <laughs> studier of time, which is an interesting nod. Yeah. And the thing about Husserl's account for me is that I think his own, the presentation of his own theory of inner time consciousness is not as clear as his presentation of Brentano's idea of time consciousness. And so Brentano was this uh, descriptive psychologist who Husserl is indebted to for the idea of intentionality, right? The idea that consciousness is always of or about something. It's always pointing at something other than itself. Um, and he outlines Brentano's theory in an interesting way. He says it's like, how do we experience duration, right? Again, not is it out there scientifically, but just like, what is it like to experience something in time? And they use uh, melody as an example. Because they say when you hear a melody, mm -hmm. there's a connection between all the notes and the melody, first of all. Because there can't not be a connection. If there was no connection, you would just hear a series of disjointed sounds and you would get no real uh, movement from that. There would, there would be no happen you like you wouldn't be on a roller coaster through a song with its builds and busts so you have to talk about these ideas of memory mm -hmm. and expectation right and again this has nothing to do with what is the brain doing or what's outside it's literally like no no these are just facts about my experience and so they say when you listen to a melody you hear a note and then the note disappears but the note doesn't disappear from your consciousness it couldn't because then you would again you would just hear a series of disjointed sounds so it gets like pushed back in this way where it exists but in a modified sense mm -hmm. that a, that gives you some kind of context to relate the future note to in anticipation and when it happens which is super interesting to me absolutely it's interesting because it seems to um to imply that the way we understand time, we perceive time, we experience it, or whatever we want to say, it is almost, uh, what can we call it, um, progressive and cumulative. Mm, so yes. There's this cumulation of uh, instance, if you want, instances, not instant, instances, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that eventually, when completed, gives me this, this sense of duration again. Uh, it's almost, it's almost that, and again, using words out of context here, uh, it's almost as time is a posteriori, meaning that I'm able to reconstruct that something exists in time only after it has happened, so to speak. 
Which is so weird because your mode of access to that is a priori. So there's this weird connection, right? Exactly. And it's almost like time has a context, which is very weird to think about because normally you don't think about time in terms of context. You just think about it in terms of something almost transcendent, but maybe it's not. Exactly. And, and I'm wondering again if we can, uh, because it seems interesting, the fact that, again, that I'm able to recognize this thing only after it's happened, right? Mm-hmm. I am able to understand time in the context of things that have already happened, so to speak, and then with the melody stuff, right? When the song is over and I reflect on it, I can say that it was a song because this connection was there, right? Mm-hmm. So I recognize this timeline when this thing is over. Otherwise, it could be, you know, there could be two noises, one after the other, there are melodic one with the one with another but that's not a song that's not a melody right right so i'm right. able to uh, certainly said that the thing was something in time in a specific way only after probably and i'm thinking that also the way in which i perceive and i have experience of time if if things haven't happened yet <laughs> hmm. at the same time right there is this it seems we seem to have the ability to act like if this accumulation could happen or has happened definitely yeah and i think that's that's the point about expectation is a part of the way we experience time and is therefore a part of the way we experience everything because whenever something happens melody aside like any kind of mundane or even important event in your life it's never that moment happening it's always that moment happening after some other moment that has a certain meaning and in anticipation of a different set of possible moments that could ensue and it's that position in the the timeline of experience that gives everything i would say it's meaning right and it's interesting because the two words you used before were was memory and expectation right these are just brent mm-hmm. ideas and memory, by definition, is something to do with what's gone, what's the past, right? This accumulation. And expectation is exactly this imagined accumulation that can happen after. So it mm-hmm. seems, according to him, at least to this interpretation of him, we can say, I don't want to get any Brentano fans email saying, you know, I don't understand anything about Brentano. Uh, but it seems to be that he thinks that it's possible to experience this time only either in in the context of the past or of the future well he seems yes. to leave out this present moment right this this part this chunk of of time that is supposed to be the present it seems to be just a placeholder for what happened and what's going to happen hmm. well it certainly doesn't exist on its own and and even the separation into the past isn't simple because it's like once the, the note in the melody gets pushed back and then you get another note that gets pushed back, it's not as if they're both modified in the same way in their being pushed back, like in the same space, to speak metaphorically, because that would just be like in the back of your consciousness, all the notes are happening at once. So you hear this like dissonant chord and that's clearly not no, it. So like there's these nuanced steps that get pushed back and pushed back, but I think the point is the present is only the present in relation to the past and in relation to the future. 
And so all of these things actually aren't independent. Mm-hmm. And, and Husserl agrees, right? He, he disagrees with some stuff in Brentano, but he makes the same point, is that they each component is what it is only in relation to the other components. And uh, that, that seems to be the case because we always talk about these things in relation to each other, right? Again, the past is the past only if there is a present or a future, otherwise it is not, right? And, and mm-hmm. the same thing with the other two pieces, present and future. They seem to be a relational concept, which makes probably time this relational concept, at least for, for the way in which we perceive it. And I was wondering, while we're thinking about this, right? We're thinking about this idea that uh, memory needs to be there uh, in order to have this, this past experience, so to speak, which seems to be fundamental to, uh, to time, and same thing with expectation. I'm wondering if there is some sort of a threshold, right, that needs to be mm. there in order for us to recognize this thing that we call time, right? Because, again, in order for me to remember, again, if we go psychologically, right, in order for me to remember things, to make memories of things, they need to Mm -hmm. pass a specific threshold that has to do with my attention span, with whatever, with perceptive stuff and so on, right? Mm. Right, right. And I don't want to... My point is not getting into that, but rather is maybe there is a threshold that exists in order for us to comprehend this thing that we call time. So maybe there yeah. are instances where time is too short, so to speak. These things happen in too short of a time, and mm-hmm, we don't mm-hmm. recognize them as time. And I wonder if there is something also on the other side of the spectrum of this, going with the expectation aspect. Things that happen in too long of a period and we are unable to understand them as even happening, right? Oh, yes. Okay. That definitely makes sense because what I was initially thinking was how attention plays an interesting role, not just active attention, but also passive attention, right? There's a list. Yeah. Husserl will talk about the, the passive synthesis going on. Um, but I think what you're saying is some things happen too quickly. Yep. And when it happens too quickly, we don't notice it. Yes. But the opposite can happen, and it can happen too slowly. Exactly. And when things happen too slowly, we don't notice it either because the changes are so incremental. It's like, it's like you don't notice your fingernails growing or something like that, exactly. or your hair growing because it's just so slow. And I'm wondering if, again, this, and this is to do with time, right? The fact that we experience things even too quickly or too slowly, and we know that this is relative, for example, different species, right? We know that uh, because of the way they perceive the world, uh, flies, for example, perceive everything that compared to us in a much slower pace, at a much slower pace. Mm. This is why when you try to kill a fly, the fly most of the times goes away because, uh, you know, you're going super slow according to the fly, right? But again, it's not a matter of perception here. It's rather a matter of the way we understand, the way time influences almost the way reality is for us. Absolutely. Because again, right? if, All right. yeah. if, if things happen too slowly we don't those things almost don't happen i want to say right and if they happen too fast they still don't happen this is why i was talking about a threshold where things need to happen time-wise in order for us to recognize them as things or events even absolutely and i think at the end of the day like i was saying at the beginning of the episode time although it might seem just like its own thing is actually something that 
shapes how reality shows up to us. So it's this integral component that's connected to everything. And having these kinds of discussions where we ask these seemingly weird but important questions is is a step in the right direction. And so I think we have uh, exhausted uh, a bunch of questions on time now. So I suppose we can see you guys in the future for another conversation. Yep. Talk to you later. Thank you.